Welcome to the RYR Endurance Team Podcast. We are grateful that you've chosen to tune in and listen. If you are a runner, aspiring runner, triathlete, or aspiring triathlete, you are in the right place. We love sharing what we know about these sports. If you like what you hear, you can always learn more by contacting us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or by visiting our website, ryrenduranceteam.com. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe to our podcast. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening. Good evening, Paula. Hello, Coach Roberts. Everything going okay today? Yep, it's been a hopping day. It has been. So this past weekend, a beautiful weekend, I got to go for a short bike ride with our son Jacob, who was doing a run. He was going to be running by himself, so I volunteered to go with him on the bike. And now I'm itching to go for a bike ride on my road bike. Maybe we'll have nice weather this weekend. Have you seen the forecast? <laughs> no, I haven't seen the forecast. Oh, you're bursting my bubble now. Oh, well, there's always the trainer. Yeah. That is soon to going to be moved to our new garage or to our old new garage. <laughs> yes, we're doing some rearranging at the house. And so, yeah, we're going to move where the trainer's at. Well, Jacob was asking what you're going to do with your new, new garage since we're overtaking the new old garage. I think all of Elegan's toys are going to fill up our other garage. Yeah, I've got in the back of my mind I'm wanting a little baby swing for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, make it happen. Okay, <laughs> I'll get on that. <laughs> so, you've got a marathon coming up in a few weeks. Are you ready for it? Of course. I have an awesome coach. Well... Thank you. He sent me homework this week. What was your homework? To do a race plan. Exactly. So yeah. you're three weeks out, four weeks out. It'll yeah. be three weeks Saturday. Yeah. So I'm going to practice said race plan. It was supposed to be practice starting tonight with the two nights before meal, but it didn't happen. Yeah, I was working late tonight. And so... <laughs> and I was hungry. <laughs> yeah. We make our plans, but then things happen. This is true. This is true. And we would normally want the race plan developed a little bit earlier in the cycle, but we've been busy. We have been, and honestly, it just kind of slipped my mind until you emailed me the template this week and said, hey, you probably need your race plan done. Practice it this weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but I've done a race plan enough where I feel like it just needs some tweaks, and I've, I have tweaked my nutrition. I feel like... At Grand Rapids, my nutrition plan, even though I practiced it, I felt like it fell apart a little bit. So I have tweaked the nutrition plan, practiced it last week, and went really well. I'm excited to practice it this upcoming week. And I'm also a part of the long run. I have some a little bit faster than marathon pace intervals built in toward the end. And for a few of those, I plan on trying out my new shoes to see if they will be comfortable otherwise i'll just race in a pair i've been training in yeah yeah so you mentioned the race plan template for our listeners out there we have a word document that is a race plan template for running and a different one for triathlon if you're training for a race it's a great idea to have a plan and our templates give you some ideas on all the different things to consider. We don't have individual items listed. We just have categories in a, in a convenient form to fill it out in. So check it out on the website. So last night 
we were playing our favorite card game, Skipbo. Our ex-favorite card game, Skipbo. Why is it our ex-favorite game? <laughs> you tell me. <laughs> I think it's still your favorite game. I've been on a run here lately. Yeah, like 15 wins to one loss run, I think. We started keeping tally marks again last night on who wins because somebody denies that they win all the time. No, I admit it now because it's true now. It's always been true. Oh, I don't know about that. Mm. So speaking of cards, that's somewhat related to the podcast topic. Yeah, sort of. I mean, it's the theme song of a gambling movie, if that's (laughs) what you mean. Well, let's get started. Okay. So in thinking about a topic, I was thinking about Kenny Rogers and his theme song for the movie The Gambler, Know When to Fold Them. The movie has nothing to do with endurance sports, nor does the song. However, when it comes to training and racing, it's so important for our athletes to know when to hold and know when to fold. You want to know what I'm talking about, or do you know what I'm talking about? (laughs) I know what you're talking about. Maybe our listeners are a little lost. Let's fill them in. Okay. So recently, one of our athletes was in a training block preparing for an event, and I mean, her training was going great. She uh, was improving week over week and recovering well. And then three weeks out, her knee started bothering her. And of course, with us, we are very diligent in taking care of our own injuries. But when it comes to our athletes, we're even super hyper diligent about making sure our athletes don't dig themselves into a deep hole when it comes to injury. So her knee's bothering her. And I know the last thing that she wanted to do was interrupt her training because of an injury. And I think most of our athletes are like that. They know that consistency is important and they feel great about the gains they're making. Then if they end up with an injury, the last thing they want to do is take a break or let it rest or let it heal. So I feel like we are constantly talking with each other about this or that ache or pain and deciding personally whether or not to push through or halt our training. It's hard for us to halt our training, but we've learned the hard way that if precautions aren't taken at the onset of pain, what may have been sidelined from training for days turns into weeks or months if we push through an injury. And let me say, I've talked about this on a previous podcast, but I guess I'm the poster child for why pain should not be ignored. You've been known to have a really high pain tolerance. And maybe that's true for all women, but certainly you, compared to me, you have a much higher pain tolerance than I do. Well, I don't think we can generalize anything for all men or all women. I think everyone's unique. I I don't know. I feel like my dad, and the reason I think that, I feel like my dad had a very high pain tolerance and my mom not so much. So I'm not sure it's related to gender. It's just you. That's not just me. I said my dad. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> anyway, just as a, a quick recap, not to get into this in detail again, but in 2013, that's when I did my first intense training block, training for a marathon. I had already had a few marathons under my belt and did all of the long, slow distance building up my endurance, getting my muscular and skeletal systems in shape and ready to make that leap for BQ and add some intensity to my training. So this was the first time I'd added speed work into my training. 
And my body was used to the volume. I don't think it was used to the pounding of the intensity because the faster you go, definitely the more force your body has to absorb. But anyway, it's kind of a different topic, but this time I added the speed work and I was working hard and I was doing all the mental training too because at some point in that 26.2 miles, really regardless of the pace you're going, but especially when you have a goal pace in mind at some point, and for me, it usually happens somewhere after mile 16, but somewhere before mile 20, it just gets hard. It gets really hard. So everything I read was emphasizing no pain, no gain. You have to be mentally tough. No guts, no glory. And I was just filling my mind with all this advice of pressing through pain. And I literally did just that. I learned to place all the pain, both mentally and physically, in the background and keep my focus on my mango, which was to get that, ah, BQ. (laughs) (laughs) So that was at the forefront of my thinking and training So during this training cycle, my back hurt a lot. I know I would have you take your thumb and press it along my spine and just try to relieve some back pain. And my knee hurt. And I mean, my knee hurt. It really hurt. And this is somebody that you say has high pain tolerance. But my knee hurt. (laughs) Most people wouldn't be able to run with the kind of pain that you're able to tolerate. Yeah, I don't know because I'm not most people. I don't know what they feel. Definitely not most people. <laughs> oh, I did go see an orthopedic doctor. The doctor took x-rays and said everything looked normal. But at my age and coming to running later in life, like I could just expect to experience some discomfort and some pain. And he also prescribed me this cream, which I think we actually had to go to Henderson to get this cream. It was made at a special pharmacy. Yeah, I remember that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I religiously applied that to my knee. And my training was definitely paying off. Midway through the training cycle, I raced a, fi- a 5K. And if you'll remember, I think you ran it with me. I did. And mm-hmm. I PR'd by nearly four minutes. So I was extremely happy. I remember that morning I was really debating whether to race it or not race it because of my knee. But I rubbed that mystery magic cream on my knee. And <laughs> the knee felt tolerable. And... I mean, I'd been to the doctor, so it's not like my leg was going to break. It was just a little uncomfortable. Anyway, I was cleared to run. I had a great race. That's a huge PR for a 5K. It was. It was It was fun. So I continued to train. I continued to ignore the back pain. I continued to ignore the knee pain. Kept training hard. Kept reading all the things about being mentally focused, being mentally strong. If you've been listening to these podcasts, you already know the end result. In November of 2013 at the Indianapolis Monumental Marathon, my femur snapped into two pieces and my race was over. I was pretty sure my running career was over, but thankfully it was not. Yeah, and just thinking back to that day, me as a spouse, me as a coach, I was not in my right mind, just like you weren't in your right mind. Because instead of pulling you off the course when you could no longer walk, we became crutches for you <laughs> so yes but in our defense we had no idea my leg was broken if you're not able to walk that's a good sign yeah i guess not able now to we know yeah, so now we, we, we learn from our mistakes yeah but anyway thankfully there was a skilled surgeon there doing surgery on someone else and he put me back together 
I, I remember asking the surgeon, this was my two interview questions for the surgeon. The first one was, is surgery really necessary? Yes, yes it was. And can you put me back together carefully to where I can run again? Those are the two things I asked him. You remember that? <laughs> I do. Oh my goodness, what's wrong with me? So anyway, had I not ignored all that pain and taken care of it, because I'm just guessing and through working with the orthopedic surgeon, I'm guessing there was a stress fracture developing that did not show up on an x-ray because a lot of times a stress fracture will not show up on an x-ray. And had I paid attention to that pain and rested it and let that heal, I'm sure I would not have been sidelined, which I was sidelined until December of 2016. That's when I was finally released to begin marathon distance training again. So what could have been maybe six or seven weeks turned into three years. And it's a miracle that you've been able to recover and be so successful. Yeah, it was definitely an answer to prayers as initially the thinking was that I'd be lucky to run 10Ks again sometime in the future. And I've done an Ironman since then and three or four marathons. So yeah, feel very blessed and grateful. Anyway, I think both of us learned a ton through this process. It has definitely caused me to be super careful with our athletes that we coach. So back to the athlete who was three weeks from a race and her knee began hurting. We backed her training way back to actually zero training. Like she's two weeks before a race. Now she's not doing any running, but all the fitness in the world or gaining fitness or maintaining fitness isn't going to be worth it if it's going to make her worse or if she can't get to the starting line healthy. And she was patient and she did as we asked her to and rested it. And she actually went to see a physical therapist as well, which we always encourage. We are not physical therapists. Did this athlete lose fitness over those three weeks? I would guess yes. Probably so. So, But through rest and visiting the PT and implementing the stretches and exercises and doing the icing and being patient, she was actually able to compete pain-free. So we were very excited about that. Yeah, that was nice for her. We're both more cautious now after your 2013 Indianapolis experience. So now if I have a new ache that doesn't seem to be resolving on its own, I start looking for answers. After a swim last week, my bike was bothering me. I took a couple of days off from swimming and running. I was able to continue training after that, but something just didn't feel right. So I scheduled a PT appointment to get an expert opinion and to find some suggestions for eliminating the pain and protecting my back. Because the back is like a knee. It's not something you want to mess around with. So we offer the same advice to our athletes. If you have unexplained pain, get it checked out so that it doesn't become something much bigger. And this reminds me of the question about how many miles you should put on your running shoes. We typically recommend around 300 miles or less, depending on how your shoe holds up. Now, heavier runners or those with heavy pronation or supination may need to replace their shoes more often, but our motto is that new shoes are a lot less expensive than being injured or having to seek medical attention. Yeah, sometimes it's as simple as that, finding the right shoe. Sometimes it could be a new shoe, and it's just not a shoe that allows your body to move the way it naturally moves. And I know that's something that Craig Pfeiffer talked with me about when I first started seeing him. I was running in a certain shoe that provided much more stability 
than what he thought I needed. And so I went to a shoe that had less stability in it and allowed my foot to take its normal course that my body wanted to take. And that has fixed a lot for me. And then also, if I start aching and hurting in certain areas, I know I need to look and see how many miles I have on my shoes because oftentimes they've expired and I just haven't paid attention. But I do track the miles on my shoes and I think that's important. Yeah, if you're using training peaks like we do with our athletes, there's a way to track your shoes in there. Garmin Connect has a way of tracking your shoes as well. And I'm sure there are a lot of other apps for doing that as well. Yeah. So back to our athlete that we were just talking about a minute ago, had she only looked at the short term and wanted to PR this race, she could have created a knee injury that would have caused her problems for years. Instead, she realized that while she only has two knees, there are going to be hundreds of opportunities for races in her future. So as coaches, it's hard for us to gauge when to tell our athletes they need to back off or take a complete break from training. We know they have big goals, and the last thing they want is an extended lapse in training. However, we also err on the side of caution. For our listeners who aren't coached, I thought a good topic today would be you got to know when to hold and know when to fold. I think you were about to fold on our skip bowl game last night. Yeah, and I may as well have. <laughs> oh, but back to our podcast. <laughs> okay, yeah. You're going to rub in that skip bowl win through this whole podcast, aren't you? I've got one tally mark. You do. But we should have started these tally marks three weeks ago. You'd have about 15. But anyway, when it comes to physical pain, here are a few guidelines. First of all, ask yourself this, am I hurting equally on both sides? For example, after a tough workout, an athlete's quads may be sore. While athletes do need to give themselves plenty of time to recover between hard workouts, if both quads or both calves are equally sore, it's probably an expected outcome of muscles breaking down in order to build back stronger. It is important to give your muscles time to recover and strengthen, but it's likely not a huge red flag to halt training altogether. It's probably not an injury. That is something to be sure to communicate with your coaches if you have prolonged soreness. Absolutely. Yeah, sometimes the body just needs a training block that has recovery built in more often. Exactly. Every athlete's different. So here's another good question an athlete can ask. Does the activity intensify the pain? And I know this especially applies to older athletes because I do think my orthopedic doctor was correct. The older you get, you're going to experience some aches and pains. But does the pain get worse when I swim? Does the pain get worse when I bike? Does the pain get worse when I run? And you need to pay attention to what activities would make the pain worse. And those are the activities that you would want to halt. So I know in my training block leading to Ironman Louisville, I began experiencing pain in my right ankle that was worsened by running. Neither biking nor swimming made it worse though. So you as my coach were able to continue prescribing swim and bike sessions. In fact, you probably gave me more swim sessions because I wasn't running because I would always follow up those swim sessions by some pool running Mm -hmm. as well. I was able to focus on what I was able to do rather stressing over 
what I couldn't do. This enabled me to build fitness while letting my ankle recover. So I spent a fair amount of time with my PT, Craig, and you eventually were able to add running blocks to that training. Yeah. So of all endurance sports, I think running is the most popular. It seems like it's the most convenient and it burns likely the most calories, but it also causes the most stress on the body. When runners get injured, a good option is pool running, just like you did. If you have access to a shallow pool where your feet touch the bottom, or, or better yet, an underwater treadmill, you can get a good workout with some of your body weight offset by the buoyancy of the water. When you're in a pool where you can't touch the bottom, I like to wear, and I recommend that you wear a waist belt and then tie yourself to the pool deck so you're not going up and down the lane. This allows you to do the running motion without really moving up and down the pool. And you are great about going to the pool for swimming and for pool running. Pool running is not the most pleasant of activities. The times that I've done it, the, uh, the clock moves really slow. But when you have big goals, you have to do what you can to get there. And you were very consistent with your training leading up to Ironman Lowell. And in the end, you had an awesome marathon and a great finish. Well, I can tell you, in our pool at our local club, it feels really cold when you first get in. But when you're swimming laps, you warm up quickly. I found that when I was pool running, I would get out of the water and my lips were blue. I had a hard time warming up actually pool running but I really kind of try to concentrate on my cadence and my form and you know just trying to visualize what running would look like and this is a side I I just thought of this but I was with a group of triathletes it was after Ironman Louisville I had done a lot of pool running but I heard a couple of them complaining can't believe these people were in a lane pool running taking like they were upset that they were taking up a lane in the pool. And I looked at them, I said, I would give them two lanes if it would help them to not have to pull run, if it would help them get better sooner. Because nobody, if somebody's in the pool, pool running, that's an athlete, you know something's going wrong. So we need to give those people empathy and grace. Definitely. Anyway, to me, the bottom line is this. If the body is experiencing pain, that's its way of telling you something needs to change. God created an amazing being that, if properly cared for, does an amazing job healing itself. Sometimes with the doctor's help, sometimes with the help of PT. And scripture I think about is 1 Corinthians 6.19. It reminds us that our bodies are God's temple. So we need to take good care of his temple yeah, we certainly do. And in addition to addressing the pain, we need to fuel it with healthy foods. We need to have positive thoughts. We need to have adequate sleep. Yeah, we really had some athletes taking advantage of our services in a good way. Not taking advantage of us, but taking advantage of service we offer as far as helping with healthy food choices and nutrition. And I love working with athletes on fueling their body correctly because it keeps me researching and it keeps me focused and it reminds me to put the right things in my mouth all the time. I enjoy that aspect of our coaching. The other thing too is we also need to listen to our bodies when we're ill, like physically sick. We have triathletes who insist on continuing to train through an illness. Our general rule is that it's better to rest the body when it's fighting illness. Is running when you're sick or hard biking, swimming through an illness 
is likely just going to prolong the recovery process. Like you need to let your body use that energy to get well. Listen to your body and rest. That's the hardest thing for endurance athletes to do. When you're ill, I believe you're more likely to develop an injury. Now, a runny nose may not be a problem, but when an illness causes you to feel weak, listen to your body and rest. Yeah, and I I think in terms of like a head cold or to me, if it's above the chin, you can probably keep working out. But if it's starting to get down into the throat, it's going to end up in the lung area. Like that's when you need to definitely back off and rest. But if you have the sniffles or a little bit of a headache, it's probably okay to get out there and do the work. Yeah, don't use the sniffles as an excuse to stay (laughs) in bed and, and miss that 5 a.m. swim workout. Uh, yeah, which type A athletes aren't going to do that anyway. So, But I guess the bottom line is when in doubt, when it comes to illness or a physical injury, fold. <laughs> yes. If you aren't sure if the upcoming training session will make your injury worse, just wait. It's far better to miss a few days of training rather than risking making a bad situation worse. You don't want to trade three days of training for six weeks off or six weeks of training for three years off. Yes, and one of our slogans is get to the starting line healthy. So if you end up missing a little bit of training, that's okay. Get to the starting line healthy. And if you have some extra rest throughout your training, it's better to be at the starting line undertrained than overtrained. Rest is good. I agree. I was thinking of another athlete who had a toe that was bothering him. Although we suspect the injury came from some jump roping the athlete had added, running definitely aggravated the issue. So he wisely rested from running and halted jumping rope altogether. And after a few days, he was back at it. And and he's doing great again. Yeah, and I don't want to just be misleading in this either. Like the two athletes that we referred to so far in this podcast both recovered quickly recovery is not always as quick as these two athletes we just mentioned we have an athlete who trained and was healthy all through 2018 and 2019 however in early 2020 her hip and pelvis began to hurt it has taken her a year to be able to run with much intensity she was patient She swam, she biked. She is very committed and consistent with her strength training and stretches. She is focused on what she can do. I know at times it's been so frustrating for her, but as coaches, we are so proud of that resilience. And I might add, her swimming is awesome. Yes, it is. (laughs) And I've been nursing a few injuries since the marathon in December. And just like this athlete, I've taken that opportunity to improve my swimming and I'm able to improve my fitness and still get my endurance fix in the pool. Tying in with our theme of know when to hold them and know when to fold them, sometimes you just have to play the cards you're dealt and make the best of it. And you know, it's really easy for you to do that in skip bow because it seems like you're dealt all the skip bow cards. Just saying. Just play what I'm dealt. So let me ask you this. What about all the books and literature I read about being tough and pressing through? Well, there is a time for this, but that time does not pertain to physical injury. We talked a lot about when to fold, and with most athletes, it's hard for them to fold. However, there are times to hold and to press through. 
There are both physical and mental aspects to this. To get better, there are barriers, there are boundaries, and sometimes you just have to move them. You have to press through them. Sometimes in a tough training session, maybe a 400 meter time trial, a big gear or long steep hill bike workout, or a threshold run, your mind starts trying to convince you, slow down, slow down. Maybe your breathing is harder than you're used to, and you convince yourself that if you don't back off that swim, you're just going to drown. I may have told myself that a time or two in those 400 time trials. So this reminds me, I'm, I'm going to take a tangent here. Oh boy. We've talked about on the uh, podcast about my annual physical, and this is going to tie in. My cholesterol results were much better. Congratulations. Not perfect, but much better. But when I was talking to the doctor, he was telling me about a patient of his, an athlete, a marathoner, young person who came to see him saying that something just wasn't right. He was noticing that he was his breathing was labored after about two miles of running and he just felt like something was wrong. And so the doctor did all the tests and referred him to somebody else and found out that he had some kind of infection in his heart muscle. When you're talking about Maybe your breathing is harder than it used to be. Pay attention, and if that continues, get it checked out. Yeah, you should always get a physical up front and know that you're healthy to be an endurance athlete. But I've never heard of somebody having an infection in their heart. No. Good story, though. Tangent. (laughs) All right, where were you? I have no idea. (laughs) I think I was talking about when to hold and not fold. Well, that was an example of fold. (laughs) Yes. If your heart's infected. But how do you know you if you don't get it checked out? Exactly. You got to get it checked exactly. out. Exactly. So, but in general, if you're healthy and you're working hard in an interval, don't talk yourself out of working hard through that interval. Exactly. So. There are going to be tough times in a training cycle, tough times in most of your workouts. But yeah. So push the, the books that say no pain, no gain, no guess, no glory, here's a time to apply that. You're at mile four of a marathon, 26.2 miles, and you're feeling sluggish. Like, you're just feeling like it's not your day. Don't throw in the towel at mile four. Like, stay positive, pray, focus on the go, and at mile five or mile six, maybe you're going to start feeling better than you felt in weeks. (laughs) I've got another tangent here. There was a person that I used to run with on a rare occasion, but... He was new to running. He did his first half marathon and did great. And he was so excited, he decided to do another one the next weekend at an event that me and a a group of guys were going to. And the story after the race, classic statement. He said, I hit the wall at mile two. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Whoever he deemed is talking about, no, you didn't. So, so but, let me just. But two half marathons in two weeks when you're a new runner, that's probably a little too much. Probably. May not have been prepared to run exactly. that race. But you didn't hit the wall. <laughs> so, nine times out of ten, when you're struggling mentally and convince yourself to slow down or quit, you regret it later. There is both mental and physical grit required to improve. Sometimes you just need to press through those mental challenges and believe in yourself. Yeah, I had a few mental struggles at the Gulf Coast Marathon 
in December. It was a point-to-point race, and we had a whole podcast on it, so I'm not going to go all the way into it. But I was hoping for a tailwind the whole way, but the cards that we were dealt that day was a headwind the whole way. Thankfully, it was mild, but it was noticeable. Along with a lot of prayer along the way, I had to refocus time after time to push forward. And now looking back, this is one of my favorite races now because with God's help and and some perseverance, my finish was less than a minute off my goal time. Just And it was a really tough day, but looking back, I'm, I'm glad I pressed through. Yeah, you're doing great with it. Dean and I both discussed on previous podcasts that there have been many moments in our endurance races where we were struggling in the moment. We could have decided to throw in the towel. Instead, we remained focused, pressed through the barrier, and met our goals. We did not fold. My best advice is to avoid making deals with yourself and push through the mental barriers and physical fatigue. The accomplishment is knowing that you left it all out there. Distinguishing when to quit and live to race another day or when to press through due to mental or physical fatigue is especially hard for our newer athletes. And it's definitely something I struggled to figure out over the years. I can't tell you how many people tell me, well, I can't run, my knees hurt. When we drill down into what their attempts to begin running looks like, it's almost always the case of too far or too fast or both too soon. As a beginner, you have to be smart. You have to have some knowledge. You have to start slowly. You have to start with short distances. Then gradually increase mileage over a long build block. For me, it was several years of all slow running until I finally built a solid base. Once that aerobic base is established and the skeletal and muscular systems have had time to adapt to the load, then and only then is that athlete ready to start building speed and adding intensity. And I I will say this, I know there are debates on for endurance athletes Do you work on far first or do you work on fast first? I think if you're coming into the sport later, it's definitely better to work on that base of distance before you work on intensity. Yeah, I think the key is building up consistency over a period of time with easy miles before you add anything more challenging. So like you're saying, it's really important for young aspiring runners to take it easy keeping the miles low and building over time as the athlete matures is the safe route to take we need to focus on the long term and not on shocking the world today so this winter i have been messaging back and forth with an athlete from tennessee i don't know her personally we've just kind of met through a common running group on facebook She's been running less than a year. She's completed a half marathon. So excited about it. Jumped in and registered for a marathon. She was injured, sidelined, and frustrated when I first started talking with her. Fortunately, her marathon was postponed. She has taken several months to recover and is now slowly building a base. With her new approach, I'm excited to watch her success as she develops her fitness. I don't know, though, had that marathon not been postponed, I'm not sure she would have given her injury the rest it needed. But I'm thankful 
that she did, and I think she's going to see a lot of future success. As coaches, we often talk to our athletes about the importance of patience and consistency. If an athlete is constantly injured, you can't be consistent. Yeah, and if you don't have a coach, it's a good idea to at least have an endurance athlete accountability friend who will shoot straight with you and give you good advice. Most endurance athletes are type A, and it's hard for us to miss a workout. If it's on the plan, we want to check the box, and this can often lead to poor decision-making. A coach or an endurance friend can help us be accountable and make better decisions. You know, it's been a few podcasts ago that you promise, and I'm sure they're sitting on edge, our athletes, that you would tell them the history or the origination of the term Moly Mile. All right, so I looked up Moly Mile, and I must have spelled it wrong, but eventually I stumbled on it. And I don't know if this is what you're talking about, but doing a Google search for Moly Mile, M-O-L-E-Y, it brings me to a page on Strava, and it's talking about a man by the name of Tim Moley, who was known for running the Boston Marathon and doing push-ups at the finish line. And he had some knee problems. He did the Boston Marathon once on crutches, so he may have should have listened to our podcast. He must be my twin brother. He ended up having knee replacement surgery, and the Boston buddies decided that the last mile of their training runs would be their fastest mile in uh, honor of Tim, and it became known as the Moly Mile. So that's what I found on it. I don't know if that's what you were talking about, because I had never heard of it before. Yeah, we were talking about that previous podcast, that the Moly Mile was finishing your run with your fastest mile, and the question, your homework was, where did it get its name? Was it like, holy moly, <laughs> or was it named after someone? Which, obviously, it was named after someone. It was named after someone. So, as with all of our podcasts, we like to include a scripture, and you've already included a scripture, but I'm going to expand on that. And you mentioned 1 Corinthians 6, and I'm going to read verses 19 and 20. It says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you are bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. So this ties back to something else we've talked about before. Is just whether you're running, biking, swimming, whether you're playing an instrument, whatever you're doing, do it to the glory of God, our Father. Amen. Hey, if you'd like to be a part of our conversations week to week on these podcasts, look us up on Facebook, RYR Endurance Team. We'll let you in the group and you can ask questions or suggest future podcast topics. Talk to you next time. At RYR Endurance Team, we specialize in customized coaching. What is customized coaching? It's more than a training plan. It's a relationship. It's a partnership. So what are your goals? What are you training for? Contact us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or visit us on our website, ryrenduranceteam.com. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe to our podcast. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening.